What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode two of Providence POV. It's Joe Howie. I'm joined by Peter DiBiase. Tonight, we're going to be taking a look at Friar, the Friars' win over Milwaukee, 79-69 from Saturday night. We'll be taking a look ahead at the Friars' home matchup against the Wisconsin Badgers. Peter, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Friars are 2-0, t- took care of business in games that they're supposed to take care of business, which is always good. And now, obviously, we'll talk about in the second half of the show, but they got their first real test, and we'll finally get to kind of see where this team kind of stands in the early, early portion of the season. Absolutely. You know, we talked about this off air before we recorded our first episode saying that, you know, you want to go into this Wisconsin matchup 2-0, right? doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter if it's pretty. doesn't matter if it's ugly. You want two wins under your belt, especially even looking at this week holistically. You've got a gauntlet this weekend with the teams that you're going to face in Providence's MTE. But first and foremost, let's talk about this Milwaukee game. Peter, I know you were at the game. What were your initial reactions and takeaways being in the atmosphere at the AMP? Well, once again, it was another good atmosphere uh, on ESPN right now. And they said they had about, it says 97% capacity. So obviously people showed out a Saturday night, uh, a good tip time, not too late, not too early. So that helped the crowd. But I thought the team overall was good. Look, I think that, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but that John Rosting tweet that morning or that afternoon talking about how Milwaukee's pretty good and all that kind of stuff, a tough matchup. Milwaukee was pretty uh, picked fin- to finish second in Horizon League. So when Rostein tweeted that, like the whole spread spread started dropping a little, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought the Friars looked good. Look, I said we said off air they missed too many free throws. I think seventeen for twenty six is probably a little, a little worse than they wanted. Sixty five percent. I like getting to the line twenty six times. But if you look at it, Milwaukee got to the line twenty three times. They made twenty of those. So you right. kind of had that. That kept walking in the game. And look, we shot 39% from the field. That's not great. Like, they didn't finish. They missed a lot of layups. Uh, they weren't finishing around the rim. I thought they were a little sloppy at times, but they never felt like they weren't in control of the game. Like, walking made it to, like, a seven-point lead at one point, and you're still, like, they're in control of the game, which is always a good thing to feel, even if we didn't probably play our quote-unquote A game. Yep, I I agree with everything you said there. Um, you know, I I think you're right. I think there were times during this game where it looked like the Friars were firing on all cylinders. Um, they went into halftime with a 13 point lead, and then there was a point in the second half where they were up by 16. And I thought that you know during those stretches, the team looked really good. I thought that uh, Pierre and Dual in the backcourt was. Probably one of the best things I've seen in a long time. Um, this is something we said last week is that that's something that we would be looking for. And it turned out to play a huge impact on, you know, the final score and just the flow of the game holistically. Um, but with all of the good, you know, there are some, you know, inefficiencies with this team, right? Like there was a point in time in the second half, Ryers are up 16, you know, you think, all right, you know, we're going to cruise to a, comf- a comfortable victory here. But like you said, Peter, you know, the Panthers just kept chipping and chipping and chipping. They cut it, you know, below uh, double figures into the yeah. single digit deficit. I think it was seven, like you said. Ultimately, they pulled it out and won by 10, which is what you're looking for. But this is a game that the Friars really could have won by 15 plus points. Um, you know, I've said this as long as I've been on this podcast is that a win is a win is a win is a win. So definitely not disappointed in the win. I am much happier being 2-0. and um, but definitely some stuff to work on, right? And this was a tough Milwaukee team, a good 
early season test, but you know, looking ahead to to this week, it, it's <laughs> you're going through a yeah. gauntlet of teams. So, um, yeah, that, that that was my initial takeaways. Um, I think we should start by breaking down the backcourt. You know, the the title of this yeah. episode is dual threat. Uh, obvious obvious play there on Garway Duell's last name. I thought he and Jaden Pierre are like the top storyline of this of this game's matchup. I mean, you know, playing together, they combined for half of the team's 18 assists. Peter, what did you think about the the two young guards in the backcourt? Yeah, I think we Joe, I think we talked about this last week how Pierre's first half against Columbia wasn't great, right? A little sloppy, a little lazy, and all that kind of stuff. But in the second half, he kind of kind of picked up, he kind of got back into his groove, played really well in the second half. I thought this game was more of that second half, Jaden Pierre. Right. He was, okay, 16 points, five assists, and he had three turnovers. I, I think I said last week we want more of the five assists to two to three turnover ratio, and he did it. Like, he did it, and I think he was very good. He was very fluid with the ball. He didn't force any shots. He was two for five from three, which I kind of like. 50% from the field, made four free throws. I thought, like, I thought he was good, and then Garway Dual, like, we can talk about his offensive game because I thought he was really good offensively, three for four from three. He uh, had 14 points. How, Joe, how good is this kid defensively? Like, it's it's crazy. It's a like Chris Dunn level defensively in his second game. Like, I don't, I don't think I've even, that's even a stretch. Like, watch – if you go back and watch this game, guys, like, the defensive presence he has on the perimeter down low, he blocked a shot from behind. He blocked a shot – a guy fading away. He's in guys' faces. He adds so much to the defensive end. That even just what he gave on offense, which was great, which was 14 points, is just an added bonus to how good this kid is. Yeah, no, you're totally right. And this is, you know, we're seeing the Garway duel that was advertised Mm -hmm. in the preseason is that he's going to be good offensively. You know, that's going to come. But defensively, he's long. He's athletic. He has a great ability to disrupt passes. I mean, he led the team with three steals on Saturday. This is the Garway duel that a lot of Friar fans were hoping for. And, you know, obviously opening night, he tweaked his ankle a little bit, didn't get a ton of run. Saturday was awesome. I, I mean, just yeah. flat out awesome. He's He came in, provided an immediate impact off the bench and earned playing time in the backcourt, right? Like this is something we said last week is that the backcourt is going to, you know, there's going to be some competition for time between Dual, Pierre, uh, Floyd, and Carter. And yeah. this weekend, Dual won. And deservingly so. Yeah, he was great on, on all facets of the game. And I thought he was good. I thought Pierre was good. It was nice to see. And, look, I think defensively he's going to be a nightmare. And he's going to be hard to keep on the bench. Because when you get into – like we talk about Big East play. When you get into Tuesday, right? Like you get into Tuesday and Wisconsin – I'm not going to get into Wisconsin yet, but they have A.J. Store coming to town, who's a really good guard. Like he's a guy that Dual might have to guard or Devin Carter. Like – him trying to keep Dual on the bench is going to be virtually impossible for uh, Kim English as long as Dual keeps the turnovers down, just because you kind of see that as when freshmen play a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just running through the stat sheet real quick here for Jaden Pierre and Garway Dual. The two of them combined for 30 of the team's 79 points and nine of the team's 18 assists. And this Friars team scored 26 field goals on 18 assists. So more than half of the field goals that Providence scored, the ball touched the hands of Jaden Pierre or Garway Duel beforehand, and that is awesome. 
That is great. And you, we should we talk about Bryce Hopkins? Because I feel like we kind of have to. I know you wanted to go there if I'm stepping on your toes, Joe, but no, I feel no. like we, I feel yeah. like we got, got to yeah. talk about Bryce Hopkins. I'll, I'll let you start because you had strong words as a, as a tough statement. Not, not not the correct statement, but you had some <laughs> on Bryce Hopkins. I think everyone does when he shot yeah. nine from the field and was over five from downtown. Like that's, yeah. we got to talk about that. No, you're totally right. Great, great transition here. Um, it, it's funny because two games in a row now, you and I have started off the podcast and Bryce Hopkins wasn't the first name out of our mouth. And if you reset the clocks for about, you know, maybe a little less than a year ago, you're looking at Bryce Hopkins as the highlight reel. And so far this season, I mean, let's let's put a disclaimer here. We are not at all bashing the kid. He is extremely talented. He's still averaging double figures. He leads the team in rebounds per game. This is by no means a bash, but he had an off night. And I think this is it's safe to say he's had two off games to start the season. And what Peter and I were talking about off air is, is that, you know, he, the three point shooting just isn't coming to him at this point in time. Right. That's not to say that it won't. That's not to say that it will. That's to say that as things stand after two games in the season, Bryce Hopkins is not shooting well from deep. And you can see the effect that the new style of play is taking on his shot selection. If Hopkins has the ball at the top, at the three point arc, top of the key with an open lane to the cup or an open three pointer, he's shooting the three. And Peter, like I said, before we started recording, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Like Hopkins was a great player last year. He wasn't perfect, but he was great. And I understand that if he has NBA aspirations, he really has to work in that three point shot. That doesn't mean that should be the only thing that he focuses on, though, because I think what's going to start happening here is, you know, teams are going to just start leaving him alone. I mean, eventually the shots yeah. will fall, but I would much rather, you know, the Hopkins that's blowing by guys and, and taking them to the cup than the Hopkins that's settling for an open three when he's not shooting terrific from beyond the arc. Yeah, I'm not going to say he has like the Andre Jackson effect. You got, you know, everyone from last year, when, when you guarded Andre Jackson, like you guarded him in the paint. Right, like if he had the ball in the three-point line, you guard him in the paint. He, Bryce Hopkins is not Bryce Hopkins is not gonna get that treatment and he's no, absolutely nowhere, near, not. nowhere near that. But when you start showing defenses or showing other teams coaching staffs that you struggle from three, it is gonna change how they guard you. They're gonna be a little off of you. They're gonna not let you try to they're gonna avoid you trying to blow by them into the lane, which Bryce Hopkins has been very good at. Look, so we, Joe, you know, we put that stat out on the on the Twitter chat on the Twitter account. We put out the final score, and we put about four players' stat lines. Bryce Hopkins was not; he was on the first night, but he was not on the second night. So this is a team that scored seventy nine points, and your quote unquote best player wasn't on the stat sheet in the main stats, which is a good thing that you can win without him. But you were gonna need him. He still had eight rebounds, still had ten points, two steals. The three-point shootings is kind of where we have to go at, right? Like, he was two not two for nine from the field, but five of those seven misses were from downtown, right? Like, it's just you cannot have that three-point shooting. I think he kind of has to work in, then go out. You know what I mean? Like, you start yeah. in, get a feel down low, start making some layups, get to the line. He did miss a couple free throws. Six for 11 wasn't great. He wasn't great from the line. So he had an overall poor shooting performance. But if he gets to the line, makes some free throws, makes some layups, mid-range, and then kind of works his way back, I think that's what we're going to need. I think Bryce Hopkins, I'm okay with him taking open threes. I'm not okay with him taking, at this point, 
open threes or not open threes or threes early in the shot clock. Yeah. Right? I think we can get a better shot. And I know Kim English wants to shoot the ball from downtown 31 times against Milwaukee. We made 10 of them, but he shot the ball 31 times from three. They are going to shoot the ball from three a lot. We're going to have to get used to it, but it doesn't mean we have to force it when it's not there, especially in, this is my least favorite thing about some sometimes what not just Providence overall college basketball early threes in the shot clock that are contested. Oh my Those god! Those are my least favorite because you can get a contested three anytime. Like it's gonna it's gonna be there or two seconds left in the shot clock. So why are you taking it with twenty seconds left in the shot clock? Open threes, go for it. We should trust our guys to shoot the ball. Contested threes early in the shot clock should not be a thing. Drives me nuts. I think Bryce Hopkins probably has to go a little bit away from that. Uh, but Devin Carter also shot the nine threes. Like this is, I don't think we've, we've never seen this other under Ed Cooley. Like that you Devin, did you think Devin Carter was going to take nine threes in a game? I, I honestly, I didn't even realize that he took nine until I saw the stat sheet. Like that, that's how crazy it was. Yeah. Nine threes, three. That's a lot of threes. Games, yeah. four threes. He didn't make a single one. Starters like Hopkins took five. Adora only took two. But Pierre took five, Carter took nine, Gaines took four, and then Dual off the bench took four, and Corey Floyd kind of, kind of like took his took a step back from last week's uh, bad shooting performance, and only took two. That's a lot of three points, three point attempts. Yeah, no, you're totally right, Peter. I think what you said a few moments ago was spot on, right? Like a lot of Friar fans aren't used to this type of offense because during Ed Cooley's era, right? three-pointers weren't really a focal point, right? They were kind of an accessory. Cooley, and we joke about this a lot on the show and on Twitter, but he ran the flex, right? He ran a bunch of back screens and down screens to get open looks in the paint, and those were the type of players that Ed Cooley attracted, the Alpha Diallos, the Rodney Bullocks, the Isaiah Jacksons of the world, right? Now we're seeing a difference stylistically in shot selection, and it's going to take some adjusting, and I think – as we as fans are adjusting to seeing it, we also need to realize, right? Like the players are adjusting to this too. Maybe not the guys from George Mason that have been through the English system, but the guys from Providence, right? Bryce Hopkins, Devin Carter, right? The guys that have been through the Cooley system and are now adjusting to the English system. They're not used to the high volume of three point shots, but some of the younger guys who, Maybe we're only under Cooley for one year or, you know, didn't really get a ton of time last year. They can ad- adjust a little bit better. So it's still a learning curve. It's still early in the season. Yeah. We're not knocking the guys too hard. We're just no. pointing out observations that we're seeing here. Um, but definitely, you know, I think the three-point shooting, <laughs> back to the original point, has taken away from Hopkins's game a little bit. And keep in mind, right, like we're, we're, we're critiquing him. He's still – had 10 points and eight rebounds, yeah. right? Like he's still averaging double figure scoring. He's still averaging nine rebounds a game. He is still doing the things that he is known to do. I think his scoring has taken a hit because of his field goal percentage. And that's a direct result of the amount of threes that he's shooting. But anyway, I digress. Another hot spot, another, you know, popular topic from this game was Josh Oduro, who made his presence welcome. Uh, made his presence feel known at the amp. First double-double of the season for Oduro. He pulled down 12 rebounds to chip, to go along with 13 points. Four of eight from the field. He hit a three-pointer. I, I thought, you know, his fingerprints were all over this game. He he was fantastic. 
I think he got I think this was like a Pierre type of game from the Columbia game. He got better as the game went on. I thought he started a little slow. He looked a little slow out there. Not critiquing him too much, obviously, but I thought he started a little slow. No, I agree. And I thought Milwaukee, credit to Milwaukee here. Uh they were very they very good down low. Very scrappy. They swarmed anytime someone touched the ball in the paint. There was two or three guys there. They made you work down low, which is good because you're gonna have to work down low uh on Tuesday against Wisconsin or in the Big East player, whatever, right? So I thought Adora looked good. The 12 rebounds is great. Because that's what we need, right? The 13 points, efficient shooting, that's great as well. Obviously, the 12 rebounds is exactly what you need. The seven offensive rebounds is incredible. That's yeah, the best stat that pops to me. The seven offensive rebounds, because that what that tells me is that you're creating more chances for your offense. And the more times you can touch the ball or have more possessions, the better off you're going to be. Well, he's not going to get seven offensive rebounds every game. Like that's virtually impossible. But if he can contribute offensive rebounds throughout the course of the season. I just think you're going to get a couple more possessions that maybe you didn't expect. And that could be the difference in a, in a tight game. Yep. I totally agree with that. And, you know, as good as Josh Duro was this, uh, this past game, I think we saw, uh, you know, his backup Rafael Castro take a little bit of hit, of a hit in playing time. He only yeah. played eight minutes, uh, did not score went zero for three from the field, but in eight minutes of playing time, pulled down seven rebounds. So, <laughs> You know, I still think Castro is going to have a presence. I know we were really high on him on the last podcast, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, when Oduro is cooking like that, you really can't, you know, you can't mess with that mojo. And I think um, that was really the story of the second half was kind of letting the guys cook uh, around that time, you know, about midway through the second half when the Friars were up 16. It was Garway Duell, Jaden Pierre, Oduro in the paint. And Hopkins and ticket gains for a majority of that second half, um, which is odd too because Devin Carter was having a great game too, but didn't really see much of the floor. So it it, it was funny to kind of see the rotation almost mold itself during this game. And I know Peter, you wanted to talk about this too, but you know after that first game, you didn't really know, and you know it's hard to 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 tell and to predict based off of opening night because obviously you want to get your guys some run, but. I thought that, you know, this second half specifically gave us a good glimpse into the rotation that English is going to put out there for most nights. Yeah, it's going to be an eight-man rotation, right? Like, it's Garway, Duell, and Floyd as the two main guards off the bench. And then, obviously, Richard Barron, the freshman, played one minute, but that's just, he played one minute. But Castro played eight as the backup forward, right? So I think because Duell can play, because he's lengthy and longer than most guards, it kind of gives you a little bit of flexibility. And you also have ticket gains who can play multiple positions along with Bryce Hopkins, right? So you have a lot of lineup flexibility. The biggest thing that's going to change on a, a game-to-game basis, they're going to stick to the eight-man rotation minus an injury, minus major foul trouble, all that kind of stuff, minus a blowout, whatever, right? Like an eight-man rotation in a close game is what we're probably going to see. The biggest thing is the Rafael Castro. Like how many minutes does he play? It's going to really be determined based on Josh Duro, how he – his foul trouble, how he's playing, the t- type of team we're playing. But I agree. I, I think we set off air. It looks like through two games, it's an eight-man rotation. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, we're coming around the halfway point here. I'm just going to run down the stat sheet here. The Friars had five players score in double figures, led by Pierre with 16. Carter and Oduro each had 13 apiece. Garway Duel had 14. Hopkins had 10. Uh 
Oduro had 12 rebounds, Carter had six, and Pierre and Carter each had five assists, while Garway Duell had four. Uh, the Friars took this one 79-69. The Panthers were led in scoring by Mr. B.J. Freeman, and, I mean, he was fantastic. He had 33 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, as advertised, he was really good. Yeah. This he is – yeah, that was a point in a lot. That was a great a great showing for him. He did go ten of twenty six from the floor. <laughs> a lot of shots. So, <laughs> granted, you know, you're going to take twenty six shots. You you should be scoring in double figures. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but all right, two and zero oh, going into tomorrow night as we're recording this. This is Monday night going into tomorrow night's Gavit tip off matchup against the Wisconsin Badgers. We will get into that in a minute after a word from our foundation. I don't really know if it's a sponsor or not, but this podcast is brought to you by house enterprise and in partnership with house of college hoops, head over to our site house enterprise.com to get in on the action. You can toggle over to the blog tab on the website. That's where you'll find this podcast. That's where you'll find the writing pieces that myself and our other talented writers put out on the website. And if you toggle over to the merchandise tab, you can find the vintage Flex Hoops merchandise that will only be available on the store for another couple of weeks before we flip with the Providence POV logo. It's that time of year. Christmas shopping, holiday shopping has started. If you're looking for a gift for a loved one or a gift for yourself, get some podcast merchandise. Wear it to the amp. Wear it to MSG. Wear it wherever you want. Support the show. It helps us a lot, and we really appreciate it. All right, Peter. As we are recording this, it's 7.43 on Monday, November 13th. The Gavit tip-off games have officially started. Just before this, I was watching St. John's and Michigan. Uh, neither team was playing a whole lot of defense at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I don't know what the score is now because I needed to turn the TV off to stop distracting myself. But nevertheless, Gavit tip-off games are here. The Friars have drawn Wisconsin for the second time in three years, this time hosting the Badgers at home. Peter, what are your initial thoughts going into Tuesday's matchup? So Wisconsin, obviously, they won their first game against Arkansas State, right? Like, they blew them out. They took care of business, right? But then they had a, a tough second game, right? Like, second game of the year against the, a top 10 opponent in the Tennessee Volunteers, a team that thinks they can make the Final Four, and they lose by 10. Right. So they were down eight and a half. They played much better in the second half, but they ended up losing by 10. There's three players kind of on this team that I kind of want to pinpoint. Maybe I guess I guess four players, in my opinion. I like their starting lineup. I think their depth is not great. But if you look at the starting lineup, it's it's Chucky Hepburn. It's AJ Store. Uh, it's Wall and it's Crowd. Right. Like they have two bigs. I guess Wall is more of like a forward, but like two bigs. And two guards, right? Like, so this is gonna be a huge matchup, right? Like Wisconsin's a tournament caliber team heading into this year. This is gonna be kind of the Friars' first, no, not kind of. It is their first real test of the season, which is like we mentioned earlier, Joe. This this week is not easy. Like, this is not an easy week for the Friars. You have Wisconsin, then you have Kansas State, and then you either have Miami or Georgia. Uh, an ACC team and an SEC team, right? And you got a, a Big Twelve team on Friday. Like, on Friday, right. like, this is a tough stretch for the Friars. We're gonna ne- when we're recording next week, next Monday night. Obviously, we we'll do one Thursday, but next, next or yeah, next Monday night, we'll have we'll have a lot more information on this team going into this game. It's gonna be they have four really good players. I think Wisconsin has four really good players. AJ Store took twenty shots against Tennessee, but. 
this Wisconsin team is veteran led, like Crow, Wall, Hepburn. Uh, I think AJ Stores, AJ Stores a sophomore, but those, those three guys I mentioned before, Store, are veteran guys that have been there. Like this is not an easy matchup for the Friars, even if Wisconsin coming off a loss. No, it is definitely not. And this is something I was thinking about today too. I was as I was doing some prep is like Wisconsin is one and one, but that's not you know a bad one and one. No. Losing to a top 10 Tennessee team by 10 points is really, you know, that's not something the NCAA tournament selection committee is going to penalize you too harshly for come March. Um, And like you said, Peter, there's a lot of consistency on this Wisconsin roster. And I think back to two seasons ago, right? Chucky Hepburn was on that team. Crowell was on that team. Mm -hmm. Wall was on that team. And those guys are major role players, right? On this team. So, there's been consistency, right? Chucky Hepburn in Providence's 2021 matchup against the Badgers, he only had five points, but Wall had 16 points, right? And he returns too. Not to mention that a lot of guys on this Providence team played against AJ Store last season when he was at St. John's. So yeah. in, it just in terms of foundation and consistency, this Wisconsin team comes with experience, right? One and one doesn't really mean much because – they're going to be looking for a bounce back game because as big of a game as it is for the Friars and as big of a test as it is for us, this could also be a get right game for Wisconsin, right? At this point in the season, I, I forget what the, the metrics say, but this is a, either, a, I think, a quad two opportunity or a quad one opportunity for Wisconsin, depending on where Providence sits right now. Mm-hmm. They're not taking this game lightly either. And if I'm Greg Gard, I remember losing at home when my star Brad Davison put up 20 something points to, to the eventual sweet 16 Providence Friars. So a revenge game, if yeah. you will, for the Wisconsin Badgers on the Providence side of things. I think it, it is a great, great, great opportunity. Um, like you said, Peter, this weekend has a full slate of power conference opponents that would look great on the resume. Yes. Um, you don't want to go into the, you don't want to go into that one after a bad performance against Wisconsin. Even if you lose, you want to play well. So I think the key for the Friars tomorrow night is in the backcourt. And I think it's going to start with guys like Garway Duell. I think it's going to start with Devin Carter, Corey Floyd, our more defensive backcourt mm-hmm. players. And I think they're going to set the tone for the most of the evening. 100%. And if you look at Wisconsin, right? If you look at Ken Palm and you can judge Ken Palm, whatever, it's a metric, you can use it. But they're 24 in Ken Palm, Wisconsin. Uh, so they're very they're very high up. We're 58 in Kempom, to put that into perspective. And they lost to Tennessee, Wisconsin, who's six in Kempom, right? Like that's not a bad loss. And Joe, you you said that as well. You talked about on the guards. I think we talked about in our first episode how we're gonna learn a lot about how the Friars play down well, right? Like their depth at the big man position isn't great uh, with guys that have played a lot of minutes. So you're talking about. Wall, who's a 6'9 senior forward, right? So he's kind of like the he's kind of like their four man, but like he's also 6'9. So that's tall for college. But then you also have Crowell, who's seven feet. Like we're gonna know a lot about how Josh Adoro plays, how Bryce Hopkins can match up, how they use ticket gains. Like this might be a ticket gains on power wall type of game. I don't know, but we're gonna find out how the Friars can handle two dominant. Big man's tough because I don't know if Wall is considered a big man, but two front court players, I would say. Yeah, let's go with that. Two front court players that we're going to see in the Big East uh, come Big East time. So it's going to be a great test for the Friars. How do they guard Crow and Wall 
uh, throughout the night. It's not going to be easy. It's one of those tight. It's, it's, it's a tough test for Josh Adoro. Like Josh Adoro, you're George Mason. You're great. And now we're, now we're here, right? Now we're at a legit, legit matchup where you're going to see if you can play at this type of level. Yeah, that, that is Peter. That's a really great point. And I didn't even think of that, right? Come December, Providence is going to face front courts like this every single night. Yeah. Right. Like the, the, the big East is loaded with front court guys this season. And you've got guys like Cock Brenner, Donovan Klingon, right? Like you've got some Soriano Soriano. I forgot about him too. You've got some nationally recognized big men in the big East this season. This is a great pre early season test for Josh Oduro, right? He's also, you know, Let's keep in mind, he's coming off of a preseason injury. He didn't have a great opening night, and he really started heating up on Saturday. This is a great get-right game for him, too, right? So I said it was a get-right game for Wisconsin a few minutes ago. It's also a get-right game for Oduro, right? Mm -hmm. Soft opening night, powerful second game, get-right, stay-right for Oduro. And I think we talked about him earlier in our our post-game recap of, of the Milwaukee game, but Rafael Castro could see the floor here. He He has the the size advantage in terms of length and height over Oduro. And if it gets to that point where Wisconsin's seven footer is just, you know, having his way, Castro could be brought in for some, for some protection close to the rim. So I, I think that's a great point, Peter, about the front court defense for the Friars. I wasn't even thinking that I was thinking, you know, get them at the guards, yeah. but, but their guard, the, their guards are good too. Like store and Chucky Hepburn are good. Like Wisconsin's a good team. I think we've kind of, Come full stop. Say we didn't think they were a good team, but how we're breaking them down, we're like, this is a good team. This feels like when you have two good guards and two front court players, you feel like a tournament team. Like Wisconsin feels yeah. like a tournament team. Well, the Big Ten's a gauntlet. Wisconsin has a couple other non-conference games that are tough. Uh, we'll see on Tuesday how they how they fare. But this team on paper feels like Wisconsin feels like a tournament team. So come March, when the selection committee is making their decision, they might not penalize us for a home loss against Wisconsin, and they're not because if Wisconsin gets to where we think they are, we won't be penalized. But this is a, a resume win that I feel like over the last couple of years, the Friars haven't had a lot of non-conference resume wins. Like it's just been you kind of get not gifted resume wins in the Big East, but because the Big East is so strong, you take care of business in the Big East, you're doing your final resume with wins. I feel like this is the week where we can get a couple couple wins where we're like, oh, we can add that to the resume. Wisconsin's one of those games where I feel like when we look back in March, if you win, it's going to pop up on your screen as a good win. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right, Peter. And I think last season, any opportunity that the Friars had for a resume win was really kind of squandered, right? You lose to Miami by 10 at Mohegan Sun. Then you follow that up by choking on your 13-point lead uh, to St. Louis, and you lose that game. You travel down to Texas, and you lose to TCU by double figures on their home court. The season before that, you know, the Friars beat Wisconsin on the road and then beat Texas Tech at home. So they're a pair of quality, you know, power conference resume wins, but you're totally right. Providence has a very, uh, I don't know what to call it, attractive early season opportunity for a resume building win here. And then any, uh, not to get too far ahead here, but uh, the opportunity to follow that up with some more wins this weekend. But the first step is you got to take care of business tomorrow night. And even if the Friars don't get the win, I'm going to be looking for the little things, right? 
mm-hmm. how well did they compete how much like what was the shot selection like turnovers like some of the small things that i think have that have kept the friars from really busting the doors open on our first two opponents i want to see how the adjustments that have been made since saturday and see how they're implemented tomorrow night no 100 and i feel like free throws making easy shots around the rim are kind of going to be key because I think it's going to be one of those type of games where it's kind of back and forth. And you know what? Your home, the crowd kind of gives you that little bit of edge. Hopefully I'm assuming it's going to be packed. Uh, it's a Tuesday night against Wisconsin. It's a, it's a big time match. It was packed against Milwaukee. So I'm assuming it's going to be packed against Wisconsin. So, and not a too early tip time where people are still in work. You can kind of get there in time, but it's going to be, it's, it's a great test. Like you want these games to be early tests to kind of see where this team is. And if you look at the whole non-conference schedule as a whole, there's not a single game on it where you don't think they can win. But there's four, three or four good resume wins, which is always good to see. Like games that we can win but that are also good resume wins. And yep. it's Tuesday night. And if you go 3-0, I feel like when you and I are talking on Thursday, getting ready for the, the little mini tournament we have, it's going to be a little bit of a different feel than maybe if we lose to Wisconsin. Obviously, depending on how we lose, if we lose. Right. Not only is this an important resume building win, but it's an important uh, piece on the footpath of how is this weekend going to look? Yeah. You go into the weekend two and one. All right. You're sweating a little bit. You're hoping for a split at the worst, right? You go into this weekend with three wins on your belt. You're feeling a little more comfortable taking on the opponents that you have up next. But before that, Friars have to take care of business tomorrow. Um just taking a wider look here at the rest of the Gavit tip-off games. It, it's really, it's a great slate this year. It is. You've got Michigan at St. John's live right now. At 8.30 p.m. tonight, you'll have Xavier at Purdue. Tomorrow, Friars kick off at the action at home against Wisconsin at 6. Then Marquette at Illinois, 8 p.m. Iowa at Creighton, woof, 10 p.m. That's uh, that's called highlights in the morning for me. Uh <laughs> Then you've got the one in one Georgetown Hoyas on Wednesday oh boy. at Rutgers. Uh, hopefully, what's that guy named? Uh, Joe Octave isn't playing for Rutgers because I, th- I think that's his name because he completely embarrassed Ed Cooley in DC. Yeah. Then you've got Butler at 18th ranked Michigan State and Maryland at Villanova. That's going to be an interesting one. That is going to be a huge test for this Wildcats team that's been very highly regarded so far. Let's see how uh, Kyle Neptune does they're, against and Maryland. In, and they're in a dogfight right now. Uh, we're It's 7.56 Eastern time right now. They're down two at half to Penn, at Penn right now. Oh, I didn't even know they were playing right now. 32. It's on ESPN+. Plus. So right now it's 7.56, everyone. So everyone, on Monday night. So everyone's just like, oh, they won. Well, we're recording on Monday night at 7.56. I time-stamped it. 32.30 Penn at the half. Uh, I was checking the score. They were down of like six or seven. I think Nova's offense kind of picked up towards the end of the half. But it looks like from their box score, they kind of struggled shooting in that first half. And it's at Penn. So we'll see. We'll see how obviously that game concludes. But it's 32-30 at the half, Penn. Very interesting. Um, All right, Peter. Closing thoughts. You know, anything about Milwaukee, anything about Wisconsin, what do you got? Friars took care of business in Milwaukee on Saturday, so we can, I think, close the door on that. I'm excited for Tuesday night. I said 7 o'clock. It's actually at 6, so thank you, Joe, for giving the people the- <laughs> You got it. I'm actually going to the game, so if I showed up at 7, that would have been an issue. Um, but thank you for giving the people the correct time. Uh, I'll be at the game 
on Tuesday. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited. I feel like that's my word. I'm excited to see how the Friars look against a legit, legit team. Yeah. I, I'd say I share that sentiment, right? If they don't win, I won't be devastated. Yeah. Um, it's really, it, for me, it's how they play. If they play with grit and hustle and they do all of the right things, but at the end of the day, Wisconsin just turns out to be a better team, I can hang my cap on that. You know what I mean? If we lose because of turnovers or poor shot selection, then I'll be upset. Um, but anyway, tomorrow night, Friars take on Wisconsin at 6 p.m. at the AMP. Follow along on at Providence POV, wherever you listen to your podcast, to hear Peter and I break down the Friars. We'll be back to you on Thursday, actually more so Friday because we'll be recording Thursday. But we'll be back to you later this week, breaking down the Wisconsin game and looking ahead at the MTE that Providence is playing in this weekend. For Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Thank you. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.